We've only got a few moments together before I dismiss our ladies and ask our men to stick around. So I'm going to accomplish three pages in 15 minutes. Can it be done? No, it can't. (laughs) Nope. I'll be editing on the fly and PB will be laughing at me the whole time. Um, Just very quickly to kind of set the stage for where we were a month ago. Yeah, if you're hearing part two of Dear Prudence, Won't You Come Out to Play, part one is available on our website, and um, I only got like a third of it done the last time I was here, so I figured I'd pick up where we left off, because we're talking about wisdom, and it's very important for us to take our time to understand what God is telling us from his heart and mind, from his word, about where we find true wisdom. You know, we're always trying to put the warning out there to you folks, because we know you live in our culture. And here in the church and in the pastorate and everything, yes, we we encounter culture, but we're not saturated by it, much like you have to be in the nine to five and in the world that you live and that kind of thing. And so it's important for us to spend as much time drawing very clear uh, distinctions between what culture has done to influence the church versus what the Bible wants us to understand from the truth of the pages of Scripture. And so uh, the, the one thought that came to my mind as we were dealing with this subject of wisdom over the last few weeks is the idea that um, we really have gotten caught up in the process that the world tries spelling out for us, which is just go with the flow and fit a system and don't ruffle the feathers. Because if you go along with the flow and do what we prescribe for you to do, then nobody gets upset. The apple cart doesn't get tipped over and that kind of thing. Uh, one of the great uh, portrayals of this was in a movie that's been out just under a year now, um, the Lego movie. Maybe you've seen the Lego movie. Um, if you haven't, it's it's masterful. It's incredible. And, um, and and strangely, very poignant for our times. It's it's really weird how they capture that because at, at, towards the beginning of the movie, the main character is spelling out, if you want to be safely accepted by everybody around you in your society, there's like a checklist you have to go through. And there's a number of things in there. You know, you have to be able to greet people politely as soon as you see them because you don't ever want to miss that opportunity. And then if, um, you know, you want coffee, you have to spend $35 for it. They show them in line and they're like, that'll be $35. He's like, yes. He's excited because everybody buys expensive coffee. It's what you're supposed to do. And uh, and then there's, uh, you know, everyone's favorite song is everything is awesome. Everything is awesome. Anybody heard that? How many of you have it on your CD player, on your MP3 player? <laughs> Um, everything is awesome. It's everyone's favorite song. Everyone's favorite show is, honey, where are my pants? And as soon as he says that one little punchline, everyone just laughs hysterically. We have no idea what it even means, but it's just because they did a great job spelling out that culture gets in a rut and we just do whatever is spelled out for us. So you're supposed to find this person beautiful. You're supposed to find this salary, this level of income acceptable or not acceptable. Um, you're supposed to find um, uh, a particular lifestyle that people want to embrace. You just have to go with it because we said it's time. And if you don't go with that, it's archaic and you're way behind the eight ball. Uh, you're supposed to find um, a particular movie compelling because it got all the awards of being very important. And so we sit down, we try to watch these artsy films and we're like, okay, I'm going to see what everyone was stirred about. And at the end, I'm like, I don't get it. What was so awesome about it? But it got 12 awards. And the movie that keep, kept me thoroughly entertained got totally snubbed. So, just my axe to grind. Society is constantly telling us what we need to accept. And then once that becomes acceptable in a popular sense, then any kind of deviation from that is really resisted. And you're railed against. 
Now, the problem with this kind of facade, though, is that it allows us to think we can put things in a manageable, controllable lane. It's that flow. It's it's my life will be predictable if I buy the right coffee, if I sing the right song, then I'll probably, you know, die when I'm uh, at a ripe old age and it'll be very rewarding and satisfying. I will have had a complete life. The problem with all of these attempts, though, is that's never been a part of the human experience. We've never been able to control any of these events. And I think that's why there's something deep down in our spirit that wants to try that wants to have everything so manageable. One author put it, the wrinkle-free Christian life. Because I think this has invaded the church. Our church culture, this isn't just a, a condemnation of things outside of the church, but we have adopted this form of the wrinkle-free Christian life. I just want, I want to know that if I do these few things and life will go smoothly for me, it'll play out for me the way that I hope it will, because I've given it to the Lord, haven't I? So this is where I think it impacts wisdom is because biblical wisdom doesn't look like we expect it to. And sometimes when it does look like we expect it to, we find it hard to swallow because it doesn't seem fun. Cultural wisdom says just keep your head down, play the game, support whatever we tell you to support, and you'll be okay. But biblical wisdom is is a friction. It goes against the grain. It goes against the flow. It's swimming upstream. So last month we talked about the reason why biblical wisdom, what, what pours off the pages of the scripture, but even to, to, to suit our discussion this morning, what, what really comes from the heart of the Holy Spirit as he lives inside of you and guides you in all things. This biblical wisdom seems to stay so far away for so many people. And, and I've talked to so many of you, Pastor Bill and, and Ben and Pastor Matt and Ron. We've all talked to so many people where they said, if I could just solve this one problem, I feel like my life would be settled. It would be it'd be so much easier going if I could just solve this one thing. And what we see in this great uh, lacking urgency is biblical wisdom. Sometimes the problems are presented to us and it's not from an arrogant standpoint of where you couldn't figure this out. But it just seems so obvious to us what God's word has to say about these things, what the Holy Spirit would have you do instead. And so it becomes a difficulty to say, where is the deficiency? And so many folks are saying, I just want to know how to fix it. And as we talked about last month, I think biblical wisdom stays away from us for at least a couple of reasons. And it just so just quickly in review, I think the first reason why it stays away from us is because we're looking for something else. We expect God's wisdom or God's answers, God's rescue to come in a different form. Paul shared with the Corinthians, he says, yet we do speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You may recall we talked about the fact that just you surrendering your heart to the Lord, Je the Lord Jesus Christ and saying, I need his rescue over my sins. I need his payment for my own salvation already places you in a position that is far more wise than the rulers of this age, because you have been introduced to the big picture. You have seen that you need rescue. You've seen that life goes beyond just the earth that we walk on now. You think about the smartest people in our society, the smartest people in our government, the smartest people in, in a world leadership all around or in business or in entertainment. If they don't see that point that this life counts for the next, 
then they're already short-sighted and ignorant as far as the Scripture is concerned. Paul is saying just you encountering that spiritual awakening grants you a maturity that most others do not have. And that's where this wisdom comes from. Wisdom looks at things through context as opposed to isolated capsules. You think about somebody who is just living for the now. It's, it's a very humanistic existence. It's, I've only got this moment of time to get it right because then it's all done and then I go into an eternal sleep or who knows what happens after here. They are only going to see every event in their life in isolated capsules. It's, only, it's never going to put together a much bigger puzzle. But those of us in the faith that understand the salvation we have and understand eternity that waits for us, we understand that everything we encounter plays into some bigger role. And so there's a wisdom that comes with that. There's an awareness that comes. And some of us, if, if we're being honest with ourselves, if we look in the mirror and say, you know, I, the reason why I'm tripping up over this problem right now, or the reason why I'm struggling in this area of my life is because I'm looking at this in an isolated uh, instance as opposed to a greater context. If I knew how my approach to my marriage was affecting my relationship with the Lord and what it's going to do to impact the kingdom and everything, I'd probably change the way I just raised my voice to my wife. Or I'd probably change the way I just approached my kids or allowed them to do whatever or something like that. But if I'm only looking at what can I do to get through today, I'm not going to care about those things so much. I'll deal with that problem tomorrow. A greater context is granted to those that are introduced to the Lord, that have encountered a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And so when a maturity comes, what Paul is saying to the Corinthians, he says, when, when wisdom is, is at your doorstep, you may not recognize it if you do not have that maturity. So if biblical wisdom stays far away from you all the time, you're like, I just can't get myself out of my hole. You need to examine your faith and say, Lord, do I belong to you? Have I really given my life over to you more than just mere religion? Have I, have I given my life in surrender to you more than just wanting you to fix my stuff? And so if you have, then that maturity needs to grow and it needs to build upon what the Lord has started. And so we need to understand that the reason why maturity may, uh, wisdom may stay far away from us is because we expect it to show up looking like perhaps what we were raised to think, what our experiences have borne out throughout our life. And God is saying, no, my wisdom is going to look completely different from yours. We've, we've heard it said so many times that his ways are not our ways and his thoughts are not our thoughts. And so taking a step back and saying, Lord, was I expecting you to rescue me in a certain way and you're just not coming in that package, you're not coming in that method or in that delivery system, and I need to rethink how you're arriving in my life and surrender to that? Another reason why I think biblical wisdom stays out of reach for us so often is because it really does live outside our human comfort zone. Because his ways are not our ways, because his thoughts are not our thoughts, it, it stays away from us because we see it. We might recognize, OK, I think the Lord's in that. I just don't think I'm ready to do that. I don't think I can truly surrender my path to what he is clearly laying out that I have to surrender to. I'm not really into that. What I would rather have is I would rather have a, a system where God just makes it very clear, kind of like knowing which coffee to buy, which movie to like, which song to sing. I want him to make all those things very clear for me so I can be a little bit more robotic 
you know, it's almost like if you, if you use like something like Netflix at home or something, if you could just pull up a list and say, Lord, I want to know every movie that I can watch over the next year that's going to glorify you and it's going to enhance your kingdom. And you're going to spell it out very clearly to me based on rating, based on the actors that are involved, based on, you know, all these kinds of things. And so I'm just going to hit that God list and he's going to fill up my queue. And that doesn't happen. Instead, most of us are living in this weird gray space about what I may think is okay to, to fill up my entertainment time. You might go, I can't believe you would do something like that. Or vice versa. It's because there's this strange gray area that isn't spelled out for us so clearly that frustrates us because God's wisdom needs to be applied to fill up the gaps. Now, I'm using a silly example of movies like that's all of life, right? I mean, we're dealing with a lot more serious stuff than whether or not I should watch this movie or not sometimes. But it is where we live. And it is the things that we wrestle with because, you know, so often we encounter people that have it spelled out for everybody else. Christians don't do this and then they fill in that gap. Or a Christian shouldn't do this and certainly a pastor shouldn't and all these kinds of things. And it's, it's all laid out like it's so clear. But it changes from person to person. And so human wisdom becomes, uh, biblical wisdom becomes uncomfortable because it's almost like we're expecting to be able to live back in the Old Testament where God spelled out every little detail for his children. It's like when we're raising toddlers, you know, it's like, you know, the old, the age old example of reaching for the light socket. You don't sit there and I see parents do this a lot. If I can get on a soapbox for a second, um, parents sit there and reason with the toddler as to what electrical current will do whack the hand and push them away before they kill themselves that just seems so sudden you know there's this is what this is what god has done with his children through history is he has led them to a point to where they would finally be mature to understand what grace and freedom was all about he spelled out all those rules and regulations not expecting us to obey them perfectly to point out the fact that we'd never be able to that we needed that rescue. We needed a savior to come. And when the savior came, he instituted this new economy, if you will, this economy of grace that allows us to sort of have our weird freedoms that we think, I don't know if I were in charge, I don't think I'd let us all kind of do that. And he doesn't spell out everything like what movie is okay to watch. He doesn't spell out things like we heard from, you know, we teasingly said the generosity monk last week. All, so many of us probably said, yeah, but what about this instance? And what about, because when we start talking about money, it gets real personal, right? And so he said, he lays out a principle of how we should be uh, flexible and available and generous and everything. And then we instantly start to, what do we do? Because I know I did it. If you're like me, you start explaining away how that doesn't fit in my life. I would, but I would do that except for, oh, we do it a different way and stuff. And, and really what he's laying out for us is the principle of staying flexible and generous and staying keeping your finances as they belong to the Lord. How we fill out the details isn't really easy for us to spell out for each other, is it? So what we're getting here is that that biblical wisdom is sort of the filler in those gray areas and living with that filler is uncomfortable. It's not convenient to us. It's like, Lord, quickly download the truth, the answer that I need right now. And he says, no, I'm not really going to do that for you. I've given you biblical principle. I've given you counsel from my word that offsets one another and it keeps everything in check. And the more you get comfortable with it, the more you understand it, the more you get to know it, the more you start to be able to operate in an economy of grace without everything needing to be spelled out for you piece by piece, step by step. I want to just ask you real quickly. I, I have to fit this in because I put so much effort into bringing it. Okay, let's pretend we're in Sunday school and you needed a visual. 
So class, if I said this sand in the jar represented God's wisdom, biblical wisdom, the answers to all your problems, and each of you reached under your seat like on an Oprah show and there was a plastic spoon under there and you pulled it out and I said, now get in line because you're each going to get just a little bit from your teaspoon. All you need is just one little dip of this uh, God's wisdom sand and you sprinkle it on anything in your life. The one thing in your life that's really kind of kicking you in the pants and it's really just dragging you through the mud and it's the thing you just can't get over or the thing you can't get around or the thing you can't get past. What? Would you apply this biblical wisdom to if all you needed to do is come up and get a spoonful of it? Don't answer out loud. <laughs> that one thing that's rising to the surface, that thing that's at the top of your list, is probably the thing that God's been trying to speak to you about for a long time with his wisdom, through the spirit of God, through the counsel of his word. And he's, he's not going to work in some hokey little system like dip it in sand and sprinkle it on your problem. But that is the thing, is that when we see, if I could just have his answers for this problem, then my life would be good. Now, we don't know if your life would instantly be good, but at least you know that you have something that you haven't been bringing to him. So my question for you is, why hasn't he answered yet? Is it because he's answering you and you don't recognize it because it's not the answer you would have come up with? Has he shown up in a way that you don't recognize because it's not what you expected? It looks more like your history. It looks more like the same old answers you've always applied. Maybe it looks like the, the flow of the world. This is how we solve our problems. We spend more on coffee and we sing those songs louder. Or is the reason why b biblical wisdom has been applied or has been presented to you and you still haven't accepted it, you still haven't applied it, is because you see clearly what it is, but you just don't think you can sign up for it. I know what he's asking, but I just can't do it. And that's the reason why every time someone pulls out one of these jar type things and says, what would, do, what would uh, you ask God to fix in your life? It's going to keep coming up the same answer every single time. Because God's wisdom has been presented through his word, through the presence of the Holy Spirit that guides us and illumines our path and lights, us, lights up our way. And yet we've either not recognized it because it's not what we expected to see or because we see it and we just can't accept it. So my prayer this morning is we look at this idea of wisdom and say, Lord, you have called the leadership of this church to be prudent, but you've also called each and every one of your followers to walk in your wisdom is show us where our hang up is. Is it because we're just not seeing it or because we can't accept what we see? Would you please stand and let's close our time in prayer and we'll ask the ladies to give our men just a few minutes together. Lord Jesus, we thank you, God, for helping us to see your word this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that I have not cheated your truth in trying to be so quick with it. I pray, Lord, that the counsel that you would have your people receive is still heard. We thank you, Lord, for the amazing opportunity we have to just sing the beautiful songs we sang today. Lord, we get to do this. And it's such a privilege. And so help us to be mindful of those around the world that would love to hear the sound of an in instrument who'd love to be able to sing praises with a fellow Christian, but they're isolated and, and locked up or they're under persecution. So, Lord, what will make this time more effective, as rushed as it is, is the appreciation we have for every little morsel of truth that comes from your word. Strengthen our men, Lord. Call them, Lord, to be the leaders in their homes and their communities that you've asked them to be, that you've shown them by your own example. Continue to use our ladies, our women, Lord, who are such life and strength to our church. I pray, Lord, that you would continue 
to use us all as a family and as friends, as believers before you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.